The following is brought to you by the Leave It in the Ring Podcast Network. All boxing, no filter. Greetings and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It In The Ring Network. My guest on this episode is one of the best writers in MMA, at least in my opinion, uh, Mr. John Nash. We spoke about uh, the rumors that are uh, abounding about uh, Endeavor buying uh, the PBC or a stake of uh, the PBC, uh, Waddell Reed stake in the PBC. Um, we got into, you know, also potential acquisition of a top rank by Endeavor, which has also been rumored, um, and just what uh, Endeavor would look like as a, as a boxing promoter and, and how they would handle the boxing business. We also got into a little bit of discussion about oligopoly <laughs> and the potential of oligarchy in, in boxing, as, as John is uh, very interested in, in antitrust. And, of course, we also got into... Uh, some discussion about MMA. So really hope you enjoy it uh, as much as I did. It was a great conversation. So I'm glad to welcome back to the Boxing Esquire podcast a uh, great uh, writer on MMA and boxing from Bloody Elbow. Um, as uh, Professor Gift likes to say, he's the man who knows everyone and everything uh, in MMA and uh, knows a lot about boxing as well. So welcome back to the uh, Boxing Esquire podcast, Mr. John Nash. Thank you, Kurt. And I got to say that that Paul Giff intro, he made that up. That's not true at all. It just <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a resume credential like those two. One's an attorney, one's an economist. I'm a nobody, so he came up with that. <laughs> so I'll take it, I guess, but it's not, it's not true, that's for sure. But you you bring the fun to that show money podcast. <laughs> yeah, I bring the uh, nothing more fun than than guys talking fist fighting and economics. That's a <laughs> that's just a bundle of excitement. But uh, but hey, let's let's plug that's a great podcast, folks. If if you're interested in uh, MMA, certainly or or just you know combat sport economics in general, um, show money is an amazing podcast with uh, with John and 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 Paul and. And, and don't forget Jason Cruz. Jason Cruz, the MMA yeah. payout, uh, yeah. man. But uh, So, yeah, man, I felt like you would be the perfect person to talk to about all of these uh, you know, rumors that are, are, are abounding about Endeavor, um, the, uh, the company that now owns Zufa. Um, there's, there's talk of them buying either Waddell Reed's stake in the, in the PBC or, or Heyman's stake. Um, you know, different sources are saying different things. Um, some, you know, have them purchase, you know, purchasing Waddell. Some from, they say Heyman's cashing out. Others are saying that uh, that uh, Waddell or Heyman or both are just trying to raise money for the for investing in in, in the PBC ventures. So, uh, what are you hearing? Well, I asked around, and I don't. I mean, I I'm not in the room with Waddell and I'm and Reed. I don't know Heyman personally, and and the <laughs> UFC and Endeavor are not letting me in to look at their files. You know what they're what they're doing, but people that I know that are pretty you know pretty plugged in, they tell me this is true that those two camps, Endeavor and Waddell Reed PBC, have been in talks. It's been in talks for months, uh, and a couple of them are pretty confident. They think a deal will be made, and Endeavor will purchase. The PBC, uh, I, I don't know if it's really the PBC. They're, this is where the, you know, this is where you bring it up. This is where the confusion comes in. What exactly would they be purchasing if they got it? 
Right. I still haven't quite deciphered what that is. Uh, but the people I talk to, they expect Heyman to stay on, whatever it is. So my guess would be they would be purchasing Waddell Reed shares of Heyman Sports, their investment in it, because Waddell and Reed just don't, you know, they don't see them getting themselves getting their investment back. Because the whole pitch to them was basically, we're going to turn the PBC into the UFC of boxing with, well, it doesn't look like that's happened the way ESPN top rank and DAZN is going. So if they're not going to be the UFC of boxing, they're not going to get the returns they expected. So they're kind of, I think, looking to cut their losses. Yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting because I've I've also reached out to to folks kind of you know in and around the the, the PBC and and uh, folks in the know, um and and they also have kind of come to the conclusion yes there's you know there's definitely been some dialogue between uh, Heyman and Endeavor but it's it's not anything new you know they've been speaking for months and months um and uh, one of the folks I, I spoke to also said it's you know it's highly unlikely that anything would happen in in the next year or so just due to the fact that Endeavor's planning an IPO and, you know, having a major acquisition so close to that would, would probably be, you know, not be advisable. So, uh, so, uh, nothing, nothing that, definitive, but obviously yeah. toxic. Although I, I could, but I could see adding another asset would improve the value of the, you know, the IPO. Right. Right. If you make, if you could do what they do with the UFC and, and you know how they did that, those lenders decks where they, they showed that, yes, this is what the UFC is making now, but this is our projection for the future. So it's really at this value, the promotion, I could, maybe they'd think of something like that, get PBC at, you know, a, an affordable price now, but they, they have it that, Hey, this is what we plan to do. So it's real value is, you know, much higher. Right, right. Well, listen, I mean, Al Heyman's a businessman, you know, he's made a ton of money building and, and selling successful businesses in the past. It's certainly his right to kick the tires on, on what offers are out there. And, and uh, you know, Endeavor's clearly been aggressively pursuing, uh, you know, sports and entertainment properties, uh, you know, trying to move away from just being a talent agency, uh, probably, in you know, in preparation for the IPO. And, you know, it's definitely an interesting match. Um also consider, you know, Dana's background in boxing and his constant threats to make uh, Zufa boxing a real player. <laughs> you know, seems to make sense that that that, that those two would be talking. So yeah, for, I mean, I know from a lot of people that are familiar with UFC that I guess Dana White's been talking about. He's been wanting to get into boxing for probably close to a decade now, right? With Zufa and the you know the Fertitas, I guess you know they might have thought maybe, but always kicked a can down the road. But the UFC is for a long time, not the UFC, but Zufa and now Endeavor, I guess, for a long time have thought about entering the boxing sphere, uh, partly probably because, you know, you you know, you know, grow MMA as big as you can. And there's in North America, there's really not much more growth for the sport I, in the horizon that I see. So expand your market, go into another sport. Boxing is the most obvious. That's the way, you, you know, you can increase value. But uh, he's been wanting to get into it. And, you know, the same people, we probably talked to the same people, but some of the same people I've talked to, they told me for a while that Endeavor, UFC, Zufer, whatever you want to call them, Holdings, were also in talks with, you know, top, put out feelers and talks to top ranking Golden Boy. Right. So they've been looking to get a major promoter promotion for a while. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, anyone making this out to be some big fire sale. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, an endeavor just, you know, swooping in. I mean, it, you know, they've, they've been trying for a couple of years, I think, to, to, to get into, to get a major boxing property. Mm -hmm. uh, 
But I guess, you know, the, the, the big question, you know, there's a lot of questions about this, though. It's like, you know, how much, you know, how much investment did Waddell make? I mean, you know, some speculated anywhere from like, you know, half a billion to, you know, 925 million, which was in the, the shareholder suit. Um, you're not exactly sure what they got with the investment. You know, what's, you know, from, from what's been reported, it seems like they have a seat on an advisory board of a, of a Heyman entity and, and uh, a right to receive revenues from uh, Heyman Sports LLC's management interest in the fighters. So, I mean, is that attractive to uh, to Endeavor? You think? I, I mean, I have such strange thoughts about this because one would say that Endeavor would want another like UFC, and UFC makes incredible profits. I mean, the margins for the UFC are insane. The margins are going to get more insane going forward. They're, you know, they're projecting a billion dollars in revenue in the next couple of years per year, annual billion dollars revenue. And they're probably looking at 50% EBITDA on that. So just insane, you know, returns that that's what I think Waddell and Reed wanted with PBC, but boxing is so competitive. There's no way you get those kind of returns. Right. You just you, boxing, every boxing promoter, everybody will tell you, and you know, margins are small. And right. especially now it's okay. I bet you historically based on the UFC lawsuit, you know, they've, they've got some boxing promoters, you know, margin, what they're making, uh, how much revenue they're paying the boxers, like 60%, 63 has been the average for like top rank and golden boy for years. Right. I bet you with this competition with matchroom, matchroom and, uh, and DAZN and all this stuff, I bet you the, the promoters are now paying like 70% of their revenue right. to boxers. Right. I, I, it's just the, the, a lot of them are boxing promoters. They're not getting rich like they used to, I bet you, right now because there's such a battle for talent. Right. And so part of me says, why would, you know, why would Endeavor want to get into this? But for Endeavor, it does make sense to me because, one, they want another – they are a content producer now, content maker. Right. And as that, that's another asset they can put in the portfolio that they offer. So even if they make less return on it, I could see them being, hey, it's another, you know, co- another piece of content that we produce. But it does some things for them. One, they might look at it and say, we can increase those margins. One is we have our own production already, the UFC and other sports. We can produce this stuff cheaper than it's being produced now. Because we're already paying for all this stuff, right. so that's some that's cost savings. That's some synergy. Yeah, they're very good at negotiating TV deals. They could probably look at it and say, "We can get a better TV deal." And if we get a better TV deal, well, if it's much higher than the competitors are getting, that's a profit margin. We get to keep that revenue because we only have to match the other promoters of what they're paying the boxers, which is the number one expense. The other thing is it gives UFC more leverage. When you're in a channel, the the only real competitor to the UFC, the only really replacement sport in combat sports here for the UFC is boxing. Well, if you, you take off one of the major boxing promotions, one of PBC is not technically a promotion, but we'll call them that for now. One of the you know one of the, the big boxing promotions off the off the table. Well, that gives UFC more leverage in their negotiations for TV deals. Right, 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 right. Yeah, though it's it's. I mean, PBC is clearly. I mean, they they're. To me, the biggest player in the sport. I mean, they, you know, just looking at what they have, they have mm-hmm. by far the best roster in the sport. I mean, it's not even close. They have more contenders, more champions, um, you know, more top fighters than, than you know. I mean, Matchroom and Top Rank are the only, you know, 
ones that are even close and and combined they 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 don't even equal the PBC at least the last I checked as far as rated yeah. fighters go. So um you know they're, they're definitely they're they're really the crown jewel of boxing, the PBC. I mean if Endeavor could could work out a deal where where they land the PBC that's absolutely massive. Yeah, what gets me what I find strange, maybe alarming a little, because part of me says, okay, this could be great for the boxers even. This could be a great deal. Endeavor Endeavor buys PBC. They give it more attention. They do some stuff to make it a more profitable venture. All that stuff could be good because the boxers, the way Endeavor's uh, – and I'll let you describe how Endeavor's model – I mean not Endeavor, but uh, Heyman Sports' model and PBC. The way their their profits work, their the returns is it has to go through the boxers. So it goes to their management, you know, the uh, Heyman, I mean, Heyman Sports as an advisor, he gets his 15%, it has to go through them. So that's great for the boxers if they increase the revenue because, you know, they make more money, the boxers make more money. But my, what always gets me worried is when you hear the little things that the UFC said, like uh, Dana White said that, first of all, he also said that they're going to make a big move at the end of summer in boxing. So that might give us a time frame when some news comes out. True, true. He also said they're not going to work with sanctioning organizations. And he also doesn't apparently like working, want to work with other promoters. So if that's the case, it's almost a worst case scenario because w- without working with the sanctioning organizations, I mean, it's how, what are they going to do with their titles? And that's one of the only ways you can get promoters to work together is mandatory bouts. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I definitely did not like that rhetoric at all from from Dana White when he was talking about. I mean, I know he and he and Bob were mortal enemies, but now things seem to have you know cooled a little bit since they're both on the same network. I actually hear Bob promoting UFC uh, fights and so on. Um, but yeah, you know that that type of rhetoric where he's not going to work with anybody and make it you know all its own thing. I mean, I get it. Listen, the sanctioning bodies are definitely kind of a blight on the sport, but. Um, you know, the, it, it has kind of become a part of the sport that, that, you know, like you said, I mean, it, it's kind of the custom and practice and this is how promoters are kind of forced to work together. Um, you take that away and now, now you really got silos, you know, now it's really going to be like, you know, AFL, it, NFL, it, you know, it's just, it's, it's going to make a, the sport much worse. And it also makes me a little concerned because that's the, keeping the sanctioning organization separate from the promoter is one of the ways we prevent monopoly in boxing and keep pay up. Uh, the, I remember with PBC, there's rumors they were going to do their own belts. And they stopped when uh, Tim Lukanoff, the ABC commissioner, sent a letter to the attorney general right. warning about that, right. that it's a violation of the Alley Act. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe the, you know, the UFC has obviously probably done a lot of investigation into what's possible in case the Alley Act came to MMA with titles up maybe they have a plan to have their own titles again maybe there's you know and to me that's always concerning because as much as you know mma fans like the ufc having their own belts and some boxing fans seem to like look longingly at the ufc the control they have i don't think it's good for the the boxers themselves when you give the promoter control over those titles absolutely absolutely yeah i mean i i don't know i mean i I think you can definitely get around the Ali Act. I mean, they can just kind of, you know, as it is, the sanctioning bodies kind of cater to one promoter or another. So if you just create your own sanctioning body out of whole cloth and, you know, they just happen to rank mostly PBC fighters and just happen to have all PBC fighters as champions, you know, I mean, as long as they comply with other elements, you know, the reporting elements of the act and, and they're not owned by or sharing money or giving money or taking money, you know, uh, other than sanctioning fees from uh, 
from Endeavor, then you know, unfortunately, you probably can get around the Ollie Act. Don't don't be giving people ideas. <laughs> this is this is the last, you, now you can hear you know the Bob Arum you know the belt and the the zone belt and stuff. You just you just gave it away. Yeah, I mean, it's just disappointing. You see, in every other sport, you know, the the whole you know they they all work together and and it's all about you know competition like fair competition and 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 parody and, and and all that and just it seems to just get lost on the combat sports i mean that it should be about that you know that it should be about you know the, the who are the best fighters in the world they should be fighting each other we should have tournaments i mean you know, everyone who's listened to this podcast has heard it ad nauseum for me but yeah i mean these these guys should be working together it shouldn't be um, you know, can we just create our own thing and screw everybody else? I mean, that, that, that's horrible. But, but just uh, going back to what you said, I mean, how, how Heyman works and just how integral he is to, uh, to the PBC and Heyman Sports, it's like unlike most, um, how most deals work in boxing, he, uh, Heyman Sports, you know, they negotiate directly with the networks and, and, and make the deals to, to televise. Uh, so the network money flows through Heyman Sports. Uh, or whatever entity that that Al has, and my understanding of how it works is that the the promoters organize a show. They send like a projected budget to to Al. Um, obviously, you know things happen. You know maybe costs come up that that you know you, you don't know about. So you know eventually they'll send them like kind of a final budget, and and they settle up you know post show. Um, but but the money flows through Al, and you know. I mean, Premier Boxing Champions is it's just a brand for, for the shows involving, you know, Heyman Sports Managed Fighters. So, you know, Al's pretty much the point man on everything. So, I, yeah. you know, and not only that, the fighters have tremendous loyalty to Al. You know, I mean, he's, he's definitely a guy who, who took a ton of risks, you know, to get them paid. And, you know, having dealt with Al, certainly, though, the one thing that, that, that always comes through in talking to him is he does give a shit about the fighters. He really does. I mean, he's in this because his brother was a fighter who got beat up and chewed up and spit out by the sport. So, you know, he really does care about the fighters and, and, and you know, trying to maximize their revenues. Yeah. So I, I think I think you've seen me make this comment on Twitter and, and some people push back, but I kind of stand by it that Al, what Al Heyman did is the closest we've seen to a boxing a union in or any sort of combat sports union we've seen in either sport. Right. He's he's made a cartel of boxers. Right. It's right. in other words, yeah, he's put a cartel of boxers and leveraged them uh you know, leverage them to get as much money as possible. Right. Op- operating as an advisor manager. Cartel, not no. in a sinister way, but in an antitrust. No, sense. yeah, yeah, and, and well, cartel in the sense of the way that they they banded together to increase their leverage. Right, right, and, absolutely. You know, and the, and so they, you know, they're like, well, if you want to deal with, you know, if you want instead of dealing with one box at a time, you got to deal with us as a group because we're selling us as a group, and that way we can get more money and more leverage with the channels. Right, right, absolutely. Which is which is genius, but also it's it's the only way. His whole business model too is built around you know. Okay, I'm sure there's some there are some very strong PBC supporters out there, so I, <laughs> that will get on you yes. if you criticize them. But I'll yes. just say this: his business model is built obviously to to get around skirt the Ali Act. Mm. But one thing about it that people miss is the Ali Act is, so, and you know this as attorney, is solely it's really solely for the protection of the boxers, not the protection of other promoters or anyone right. else. Absolutely. So if the boxers are not upset at what he's doing and they're not bringing charges against them, 
then he can, you know, he can do whatever he wants. And that's, you know, kind of what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, listen, when 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 Al kind of started this whole thing, I mean, as someone who's, you know, I mean, I've spent, you know, 20 odd years representing fighters mostly. I mean, I've represented a few promoters, but mostly fighters and being on the fighter side of the table. What I really liked was that Al Heyman kind of reversed the trend of promoters having power in the sport. It used to be the managers had all the power in the sport because promoters didn't do exclusive promotional contracts with fighters. And you look in any like um, states, you know, rules and regulations, it's all to regulate managers because managers had the power. You know, back when all of those uh, regulations came into being, it really wasn't until maybe the late 70s. Um, early 80s when Aram and, and King kind of got control of the networks and were able to basically force fighters to to sign long-term deals with them if they wanted to get on TV that you started to see these exclusive promotional contracts and basically the the, the balance of power shift to promoters because promoters, you know, other promoters were like, well, Aram's, you know, squeezing us for all our fighters. I'm, I better put my guys who I'm promoting on, under exclusive contracts. So, you know, it, it 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 shifted the balance of power back to managers and kind of back to fighters. Um, but you know, again, you know they, you know, you've got so many fighters tied to one manager. <laughs> it's it that's also very unique in in the history of the sport. I mean, he's clearly still the most powerful man in the sport because of that. Yeah. Also, too, is if he's if he's using them as a as a group, if he's if he's pitching and selling them as you know this cartel as i call them. he's pitching and selling them as a group the problem is he can't focus on the individual fighter at times in other words he can't he has to look at what's the better for the whole group then he can look for like this individual fight boxer would do better if we could you know book him on top rank or have him sign with another promoter but that weakens the leverage that the whole group has Right, that's that's the whole that's like the whole Wilder conundrum in in a nutshell there, right? I mean, that's the big criticism Al is getting for handling Wilder's situation. Is he really looking out for Deontay's best interest and turning down a hundred million dollar deal? You know, is he putting his his entity and and the PBC first as opposed to uh, to uh, to Wilder's individual interests? It's interesting. It is, and I guess then we go back to the original thing: Is Endeavor going to buy a PBC? Are they going to will they keep this model? That's the question. Will they keep mm. the model where where it's based on the advisor model, where he gets fifteen percent on when they you know when they make above a hundred grand? I guess for every boxer it's different, but that he gets a percentage of fiduciary, you know, that he has fiduciary responsibility and gets a percentage of what they make. But in other words, but it can only be this set amount. So no matter what, PBC's profits are limited. Their margins, I should say, are limited to what the fighters make under PBC. Is Endeavor going to want to do that, or are they going to want to, you know, turn up the model and say, no, we we want to go to a different model, back to maybe the more typical model where we set a price with you guys, and you know, our we can make margin somewhere, we can make profit somewhere else besides through you, the individual boxer, what you make your purse. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, in in the papers and in the in the depositions and the Golden Boy. PBC case was, or the Golden Boy Heyman case, I should say. PBC wasn't a defendant. Um, was that you know it came out that you know the the game plan was to eventually flip it and become promoters, right? <laughs> I think that someone testified to that. I know that 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 the PBC had, had yeah, thought about it. To you know, be a league was their whole. That was their eventual. Right. They they they, well, they talked about becoming a league, and the, using the UFC as an example, the NFL too. The whole pay model was going to be different. Right. Yeah, well, it's interesting when they talked about the NFL because they also said something about like revenue sharing. So I'm like, hmm, 
Revenue sharing with who, though? I mean, I guess, were they planning to also, once they became a promoter, to bring the other promoters in? I mean, if that's well, the case, I, I thought the I'm interested. Was with, <laughs> I thought, well, maybe it's the promoter, but I thought it was actually, he was talking about the boxers in that case. That you'd get a set fee as a boxer, there was a set price, and then there was a percentage split with what they made on the event. Or maybe like collective bargaining, right? You know, Yeah, but basically, yeah, they're, they're saying, like, in other words, the boxers would be part of some sort of union or something. Right. But I mean, the details were not fully fleshed out. Uh, I can't remember what. Uh, oh man, who was it that was in the trial that was bringing that up? That uh, talked about that. I I know the oh. lawyer. The lawyer. I think it's a Bill Ring. Is that his name? Oh, oh Michael Ring. Michael. Michael Ring. Ring Michael Ring. There That's it. It just it jarred me with the Bill Ring. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I haven't looked but, at those papers in a while, so I'm, I'm messing up the it's, names. It's also fascinating at the time this was, you know, the PBC was coming out. If you look at the UFC uh, antitrust lawsuit, the deposit, the some of the emails that were released and stuff, they were very much following what PBC was doing. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. So, so it's been 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 in the air for a long time, but yeah, just uh, just briefly, something we we talked about, kind of going over some of the issues. You know, if if Endeavor does take it over and does not like change the model, um, they're going to have like a, a a management stake in the fighters, right? They're going to have a percentage interest, and I know, I know at least that you know there's a, a number of commissions that require licensure of of anyone with a financial interest in the fighter, and and let's say the UFC becomes the promoters of these fighters, obviously that's a huge conflict of interest if they've got an interest in both the promotion and the, and the management end, um, and all EAC problems as well. And I know you've brought up some problems you know, just a little while ago about how you know, if they go into, to go into boxing, you know, that, that may affect their antitrust case as well. Yeah, I mean, it's if they... Well, one thing, I don't think the commissions will do anything, to tell you the truth. They the haven't really so don't. far, that's for sure. They, they're not going to do it. But it opens them up to private action. Right. Right? Right. right. And that's the thing. It, open, it really opens them up to private action. If they become – if they start promoting PBC and or have this – you know, they bought in a stake and interest in the, the boxers. And the difference is – I mean, they kind of could violate this, I think, in MMA, and it's never a problem because MMA fighters are never – you know, they don't make them much. They wouldn't contest. But as much as, like, boxers don't uh, – you don't hear about big ant lawsuits, you know, involving the Ollie Act stuff, there are some boxers that – the stakes on individual boxers are so high, I could see someone challenging it because, you know, there's a lot more boxers making a lot more money at the very top end that someone's going to say, listen, we are, you know, we want out of this contract or we're getting hosed. We're going to contest this. Right. So it, it seemed much more likely that would come up. And also it's strange because uh, for the UFC, it's a much more, well, I guess the big thing too is, is Al Heyman stand on. If Al Heyman doesn't, if they're buying out Al Heyman, this is incredible risky, a risky venture because you're, again, your margins are low. And you're dealing with something that you need really expert professionalism involved with people that really know boxing to make sure you keep those margins. Otherwise, you're risking I don't know how much money, hundreds of millions, but there's a there's a huge risk of money involved with a much smaller upside than you, like you had with the UFC. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the only thing I could think of is, you know, because Al uses kind of outside promoters, I don't know if these guys would want to spin something off that's, you know, 
has the appearance of being independent <laughs> and have them promote promote it so somehow they're they're but even the bottom line is i mean all of the money is flowing through al i would assume that you know the gates the foreign rights the the um the any sponsorships they have um you know all of that is is going to be flowing through al so um you know, it, it's it's kind of all one pie, but I guess you know if you're only getting ten to fifteen percent, I mean that that's you know on 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 each fighter, and not only that, you're only getting that on the guys, you know, because the way the contracts are are done, most of them, um, you're only getting it on the guys who are making over a hundred thousand um, dollars. So you know, like you said, yeah, I mean, how how do you how do you you know squeeze more money out of that, you know? Yeah, I, and part of me thinks too that they're just the way I look at it is that they're going to want us flip to that that league idea that they had before. Right, right. Yeah, without flip question, to a league idea. All indications are are that you know, um, yeah, they, if they did it, if they did it, <laughs> uh, yeah. Dana would want to uh, to have it be a league, his own league, and uh, yeah, that 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 would seem to be their model. But um, I wanted to get into. Uh, you know some some other rumors. I mean, I guess you know you and I had kind of talked about this before the the pod, but um, you know you had initially said, and I know that they that Endeavor's also made offers to Top Rank, and it seems like you know Top Rank has you know more of the the, the same organizational structure as Zufa, and and you know they're on the same side of the negotiating table. They're the promoter, same network, ESPN. Uh, you know, and they wouldn't be competing with themselves on a rival network, you know, uh, which, which you know, you potentially have that with the, the Showtime and Fox deals competing with the ESPN deal. So if you heard anything about, uh, you know, any rumors of Endeavor pursuing top rank and, and, and so on. The only rumor I heard is that they were interested in them, that it, it was uh, it was probably I, I'm thinking it was, you know, one of their first choices because it makes more sense. It's on ESPN. It gives them more leverage with ESPN because now you own both the combat sports properties. Uh, that get any sort of ratings on ESPN that are that are driving a lot of that uh, subscriptions to ESPN Plus. Right. So it gives them more leverage. In, in that sense, it would make more sense uh, for Top Rank. But all I heard was that yeah, they they made that offer to get Top Rank's uh, uh, vault film vault, and that they they in the past they were making the discussions with Top Rank to possibly purchase them. And people got to remember this, this isn't the UFC purchasing Top Rank. This is Endeavor. Getting right, top rank, right? You know the parent company because uh, I don't think Bob Arum and DeBuff would sell to UFC directly. I just personally don't. I mean, they're they're. I think they they Bob has some pride in the brand that he's built over the years. Right. So, but they would take probably a major investment. If in, you know, I could imagine them selling a large share to Endeavor and Endeavor right. keeping the management around because the management's done a great job. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Bob, God bless him, you know, is, is not uh, the youngest guy in the world, but he also, you know, clearly has an heir apparent, you know. I mean, uh, Todd DeBuff, you know, uh, does a lot of the work and uh, very bright guy, engaging guy. Um, it's interesting, though, too, but, you know, uh, they're on the same network right now. They're competitors, in, in essence, uh, not really same team. And to me, like, UFC's pretty much taken over ESPN+. Plus. I mean... They, uh, you know, they they're mm -hmm. given a, a bigger promotional push and with much better results. I mean, they had a huge sub increase after the the UFC debut, and you see most of Top Rank's boxing, you know, shoulder programming was taken off once UFC was on there. Um, 
you know, TR, uh, well, you know, you, you've got top ranks, like, you know, uh, the one pay-per-view they had on the ESPN platform, um, you know, and they, they had bragged about the, the megaphone of ESPN and so on. It kind of seemed to flatline under under 200,000 buys. Um, and their schedule's been pretty uh, mediocre to bad, like the fights they've had and, and the ratings as well this year. Uh, but they do have that long-term deal. They got like a seven-year deal. Um you know, but but Matchroom and PBC have been been pretty tough competition in signing fighters for them. So, would you view Top Rank as like a more valuable property than than PBC, or I mean, just because of the kind of synergy with the networks? Well, it, well it's weird. It's it's weird about boxing. Is to, to, honestly, no, no promotion entity in boxing itself is that valuable. It's not like UFC, which UFC is the sport, right. owns the brand, controls the fighters, controls the titles. You know that the the profit margins are so immense that you're making a huge return. That UFC is worth something. In my opinion, almost most boxing promotions are worth a going to be worth a fraction, a small fraction of what the UFC is because the margins are small. The uh, the fighters can leave at any. A lot of them can leave at any time. You know they're not. They're some are signed exclusive long term, but a lot of them. You know the PBC guys aren't signed to anything. It's you know they're under a management deal with uh, Heyman. Right. Uh, the there there's the 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 value is that if you don't pay enough and you're trying to increase your revenue you're going to not pay your boxers enough and you'll start losing a bunch of them you got to you don't control the title so at any moment the number one boxer could be in another promotion not yours so there's just a lot more variables in boxing so none of them are worth as much as uh, as UFC is easily I would say top rank though that library is worth a lot because they do have a lot of great fights in it. And uh, that helps a lot. But to me, the number one, the most valuable of them, I guess, I, I would go with PBC just to have, have in it. You right. know, just the number of the number of top boxers. The biggest star, PBC is missing the biggest stars. You know, if I was ranking all the stars, I guess now after that knockout, Wilder might skyrocket. And Spence, you know, after that, this chain of pay-per-views they're setting up for Spence, it looks like he might be up there the very top. But right now, I wouldn't, I'd say the biggest stars, or the two biggest stars in the sport are on zone right now right 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 and arguably number three with triple g right absolutely so so i'd say they have the biggest stars but but pbc has the the most depth the biggest roster and that that means something when eventually titles come up and you have some of the top ranked guys because a mandatory might come up or whatever you can bring the belt back home right right yeah, I mean, yeah, listen, so, you, 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 it's one thing to have stars, but they got to fight somebody. You know, that, that's always been the, the problem with these exclusive New York, you know, network deals for these that's promoters. What, <laughs> Lomachenko and Crawford are kind of finding that out on top rank right now. Absolutely. They got no one to play with. And, and uh, another person I talked to about this, what I mentioned, maybe Endeavor buying top rank, they're like, why would they buy something that only has two fighters? <laughs> like if either one of Crawford or Lomachenko like loses and loses badly, like what do you, you know? What are you left with? I mean, obviously they're more than two fighters, and you know they they just hooked up with Tyson Fury and got a couple of really great prospects coming up, but but obviously not anywhere near the depth that that, that the PBC has. But uh, but it's interesting. Um, so let's talk about. Uh, I mean, we, you touched on it a little bit, but you know just. You know, if if in, Endeavor acquires like you know if they acquire like a controlling interest in in one or more of of boxing's major players, um, you know you obviously track the the UFC very closely. 
you know, what would what would ende- an, an endeavor run boxing entity look like? You know, would there be major changes to the to any of the boxing's kind of you know current model and customs of practice? That's the sixty thousand dollar question. I think right <laughs> now is what would they? Uh, I mean, would they just buy it? the way it is and just let, you know, and think it's just a good asset and then they can cut, like do with the UFC. The UFC, they pretty much left alone, but then went out and gotten, you know, they were there just to, to negotiate the new TV deals, overseas deals, you know, basically do what Endeavor does as an agent, you know, but not, they didn't change the look of the UFC. They kept Dana White as the face. They didn't, you know, they, there's no, they didn't change the rules. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't make it a different sport or different venture. You know, everything's basically the same with the UFC. I could see them doing that, maybe the boxing promotion. I, I, but the other question is maybe they look at a boxing, they go, we can do what we do with the UFC in boxing. And they try to build up a UFC of boxing, uh, which, you know, it, almost like your dream, but it's like the gift of the Magi or Twilight Zone. They make a league that you'd be happy with, but it's, you know, it also includes the worst features of the UFC, that it's a monopoly and no one else can compete with them. And, you know, there's, there's no cross promotion and, you know, the pay goes down, that kind of stuff. Right. So, I mean, you always worry about that. That's their thinking. I mean, especially, you know, again, Dana White, UFC experience, he wants to get into boxing. Does he want to, does he want to make boxing like the UFC or does he just want to be a good promoter in boxing? That's again, that's the $60,000 question. Right. And, you know, obviously the, the other issue that comes up when, when people start talking about it is, you know, how would it affect what goes on in MMA or, or more more importantly, like, you know, boxing just has a better pay scale than what he's giving the, the fighters in the UFC. And how how do you manage that? You know, how do you uh, how do you reconcile that? You know, if you're if you're giving the the fighters, you know, a, a much larger percentage of of the pie than, than what the MMA fighters are getting. Are you going to have, you know, pushback on the, on the MMA fighter side? Uh, yeah. I mean, the dilemma is if you start, if they try to pay like the pay structure of MMA and boxing, you're just going to lose all the top boxers. They're just <laughs> exactly. not going to go there. And, and I guess maybe you could make up your own league and just pretend that your guys are the best. And they're signed to like ironclad, ironclad contracts. And then maybe the fans wouldn't catch on because they're not fighting other guys outside the promotion. They're not the best. I don't think that would happen. That's one. The other thing is, would would Emma? You'd imagine the UFC fighters who have been relatively quiet about the pay structure would be up in arms if they saw, you know, they they sign PBC and then there's, you know, you're looking at. Uh, McGregor sells a two million pay-per-view buys him and Khabib in a rematch and McGregor gets 20, 25 million and Khabib gets five. And then Wilder's fighting someone and he just got 50 million. Right. Right. On the same sales amount. You know, (laughs) you think those guys would go, wait a minute, this is, there's something really wrong here that Wilder and Joshua both got 50 to a hundred million based on an event that sold the same amount as what we did. Well, that's that. I mean, that, that that's another really interesting uh, uh, event or just uh, area to go into for you know to to to, to talk about was you know the UFC has this new deal um, with ESPN where ESPN now just just on on the mechanics of it when you get a UFC pay per view now you have to get it through exclusively through ESPN Plus. There's no other way to to get it. Is that how it works? That's it. You have to sign on, be a, have ESPN, be a subscriber to ESPN Plus, and from there you can order it. Right now, I've heard that 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 is going to severely affect you know fighters who had contracts where they're getting points on the back end. 
uh, with pay-per-views, you know, based on buys. Like it's going to severely like curtail that income. And, you know, another piece of that, you know, to get us, we were talking about this with, with Zach Arnold, you know, Zach, Zach made a great point in that now that the UFC, who, you know, is very, you know, they got a, a ton of money to, to take that deal from ESPN, but, you know, it made sense for them. But what they also did was kind of left traditional pay-per-view to basically the PBC, who's, who's succeeding with it very well. So if they acquired the PBC, <laughs> you know, how would that work? Are they going to continue with the traditional pay-per-views for, the, for boxing and yet be stuck in the, you know, the, the UFC fighters are stuck in the uh, ESPN Plus deal? I mean, it's, 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 it's an interesting dilemma. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, for the PBC rate, I, I mean, I can't imagine them. I mean, it would all depend if ESPN wanted. If the ESPN... I mean, the reason the, ES- the UFC is exclusively on ESPN as pay-per-view selling is the ESPN wants to use it to increase the number of subscribers Absolutely. to ESPN+. Plus. So for them, it's a loss leader. It's an expense, the risk they're willing to take just to pump up those subscription numbers. Uh, oh, so just just, I guess just for the record, though, how much did, they, how much did uh, the UFC get from, from ESPN for that? The, the word floating around, the rumors from people that, are in sort of in the know. I mean, none of us are in the room to see the fi- the actual contract. I haven't sure, seen it yet. But sure. people that are in the business that are that are dealing with these guys, they put it the number around two hundred million a year, guaranteed. Okay. That's the guaranteed level. Uh, sales higher, the UFC would get a split and make more money, but ESPN would keep a lot of it. So two hundred million, which actually, if if they would have got a new deal on pay per view, it, it comes out to I think I added up. It comes out to about. Uh, 340, 360,000 pay-per-view event by event for the UFC. Right. But of course ESPN gets to keep all this money. So they only have to sell a lower amount than that to actually break even. And then you throw in the subscribers, they can even sell lower than that. And they, they end up being a net positive. So it's not like they're, you know, even if pay-per-view sales go down, ESPN has a good chance of breaking even on the deal or even doing good better than, you know, making money on it. Uh, by selling much lower number of pay-per-views than the UFC used to sell. On the with the fighters, though, well, yeah, the the good news is that very few UFC fighters get pay-per-view points. It's generally just the champions get pay-per-views. Gotcha. Points. Uh, if you win the belt, if you even if you're in a title match, you don't get a pay-per-view bonus unless you win the belt and defend it. There's an exception. The biggest stars, the handful of big stars, former champs continue to get pay-per-view points, but a lot of them also get guaranteed purses. So they might just ask for larger of those. The in in a lot of those in the UFC they like not to reveal all of it on the with the commission. So what happens is you get your commission pay, let's say for John Jones, you get half a million. And then two weeks later on a side letter agreement, he gets another two million, we'll say. It's mailed to him by the UFC. So they don't have to report all that because they like keeping it pretty obscure. Right. Uh, boxing, as we know, it doesn't really matter you, you can't really hide the money because so many people end up seeing the contract that gets leaked out what he made. Right. So right. It's, a, it's a little different in that sense. That's why we always get the numbers like what the true what the guaranteed amount was for Lomachenko or or, you know, Wilder in a fight instead of what was reported to the commission. Right. So also, it's it's. Yeah, I was oh. going to say uh, another thing that, that, that you had mentioned uh, when we were we were speaking before we, we got on the on the pod was that. uh Aram had mentioned how 
the fact that you know the UFC leaving traditional pay per view is is a huge boon to 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 boxing promoters because now the cable companies really need them <laughs> for the for you know so they can get a better split they can negotiate better splits and I think it's out there in the open too that the you know the UFC was actually had negotiated or was negotiating for better splits um, when when they ended up yeah it's the, the best the, deal. the best deal that happened for boxing right now was that the UFC went off pay per view. Or at least, you know, all, all the other pay-per-view providers. They just, with the, the ESPN exclusiveness deal, you know, helps. PBC's probably going to make a lot more money because of that. Right. You know, they're going to get more marketing from the other pay-per-view providers. They're, they're going to, you know, more advertising, pushing it. And what do they get? Mate? Let's say they get 5% point better. That's That adds up. That's five bucks a fight, a pay-per-view buy. Well, like four bucks, three to four, but still. No, that's, that's not insignificant yeah. when you're talking hundreds of thousands of, uh, of buys, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, right there, it covers probably the most of the showtime, what, they're, they're, what they take. Right. So you've recouped almost all your showtime money. Right. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, I mean, Endeavor's also a very sophisticated entertainment company. I mean, they got hooks and connections with uh, all sorts of broadcast media and entertainment entities. Um have you seen has that benefited the U I mean, in what ways do you think that's benefited the UFC and, and, and how could it benefit boxing if they if they uh you know got their hooks in that? Well, I mean one thing that I thought was gonna be a big part of the UFC was Fight Pass, and it seems that the ESPN offered an, enough money that you know that they've taken stuff off Fight Pass. That it's for international it's still big, but domestically it's just, you know, it's if you want to watch local fights and Roy Jones boxing match, you know, his promotion <laughs> uh or you know, the, the then Fight Pass is worthwhile. But otherwise it's just there's not much on it. But they brought a company New Lion, which is a streaming service, you know, um per uh, which they can now put Fight Pass through. I could see if they bought up a promo- boxing promotion, the well that's a great way put their pay-per-views on Fight Pass, put a lot of the events on Fight Pass for boxing, You could, they could make a lot of money. They could increase the revenue, the mar- margins, by selling it through Fight Pass. Right, right. The pay-per-views. Right. That's, that's, that's one way. The other thing is with their, you know, their connections and com- commercials, they've done a good job of you know, getting UFC content, uh, brand, branded content sold. At, my understanding is their sponsorship money is just going up, the, up through the roof, and it might hit $100 million. In, in a year or two. Wow. A hundred million. That's, that's a, just a ton of money on sponsorship marketing or advertising money they're get coming in. So on certain things like that, they're doing a great job. And maybe that's where they look at PBC and say, you know what, we could do a better job bringing in, you know, that's where we could make a huge impact and make this much more profitable with the boxing promoters that we have these contacts, connections, we can bundle it in with our other properties. And that way people that maybe are a little re- reserve, little, you know, they have some reservation or some hesitation about having their branding, their sponsorship on boxing might say, well, we'll take a risk because we're going to have it also on, you know, bull riding, which I mean, think about it, it's not that safe either. But, you know, their other, you know, Miss America, <laughs> whatever, all the other pro- properties they have, they can they can pull it and spread it around to get people to take a dip into the sport. Right, right, right. Now, it's interesting. It's it's really in- intriguing to, you know, um, uh, obviously, you know, Television and 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 broadcasting, you know, is 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 kind of what fuels all of the major sports. So, uh, you know, anyone who who I mean, it just seems like WME has has such great hooks and great connections, and also, you know, was you know, if they can bring that much spot, you know, which is something that boxing 
you know, desperately needs. I mean, it seems like, you know, getting sponsors back into boxing has just been, you know, a really heavy lift. So that would, that would be maybe well, remember the, the biggest UFC, thing. This, yeah. But remember with the UFC, the sponsorship goes to the UFC, not to the, the fighters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like that's the, the, the Reebok that's the deal. One, that's yeah. That's 22. Yeah. <laughs> the infamous Reebok deal. Yes. The Reebok money. The Reebok, all that stuff. I mean, the Reebok deal was genius because it took off all this advertising out of the ring that the, 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 the fighters got and it suddenly made the value of all those in-ring spots that much more valuable because that was the only way to be seen in the UFC. Right. And yeah. that money, because the UFC owns the ring, that money's going to the, the promoters. Now, I guess in boxing it might work too because, you know, the biggest boxers are going to get a cut of all the revenue. So maybe they'll be happy to have, you know, better sponsorship on the ring and the corners and on the, the mat. But if it's set up, you know, the way the UFC was done, then that money is not going to be going to, uh, is not going to, you know, not going to Porter and, and Crawford or no, I shouldn't say Crawford Thurman and, you know, and Bron- well, Broner didn't really deserve it based on that last fight, but still it's not <laughs> going to those guys. Yep. Going to, going to management. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, so you know, speaking of antitrust and, and so on, I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, since that's one of your major interests, I wanted to, to just uh, talk about something where I've been hearing, you know, some rumors and, and, and just complaints from some smaller promoters who have really good fighters. Um, they feel they're kind of being squeezed a little bit um, by the major players who've, who've got the uh, TV deals. They're either trying to, you know, screw them out of their fighter or uh, you know, make them sign, you know, force them into co-promotional deals where they're going to get less money, you know, just you know because TV is almost you know kind of monopolized by the uh, by the four major players. Um, you know, you think there's a case to be made that there's like kind of an unallied, you know, oligarchy or you know oligopoly <laughs> going on in the sport that that violates antitrust. That's the word we were thinking of, oligopoly. Yeah. <laughs> That's how, oligarchy meets monopoly. <laughs> the genius is here. We couldn't, you know, we were spacing out for a second earlier. Uh, oligopoly, yes. That's Well, it is kind of, that's the situation. I mean, in boxing, there's never been, this is, there's never been more money in boxing as there is now. This Absolutely. is the best period ever financially I think boxing has ever seen. Every one of the major, you know, the three battle, you know, I call them Eurasia, East Asia, and Oceania, the, you know, the three countries from uh, 1984 that are perpetually at war. But that's that's <laughs> Fox, a great the, the Showtime, the PBC brands. That's the Zone, and that's Top Rank. They're they're at war. The money, each of them are making more. They're each of them are making as much as HBO did, uh, and and so, but at, at okay, maybe without peak. inflation. <laughs> yeah. At HBO's peak, but right. in 2000, their peak year, they're each making as much as that, and even probably making as much, especially DAZN, is is, bring, is spending as much in boxing as with inflation as they were making at their peak. Oh, easily. Uh, HBO was spending on boxing. So you're talking multiples more, even in real dollar terms, multiple more is being spent now on boxing, but the purses are controlled – these three, these three battling nations have, have allied with a single promotion or a single, I guess, a single controlling entity. In the case of PBC, we always got to they're, they're they're such a weird hybrid in the sport, but a single controlling entity that's running the purse springs. Oops. So, you know, a lot of boxing promoters on the outside, 
and there's no money else elsewhere. I mean, uh, there was a, our interview with uh, Kathy Duva of uh, Main Event, and she was talking about the problems. The big thing is finding a TV deal right. to stay afloat. Right for for a midsize promoter mm-hmm. like 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 Main Events, there and she's midsize. We're, the guys below or the yeah, the guys below that are trying to build up one boxer that they can make their their money back on. It's it's got to be you know it's almost impossible. I imagine just to keep operating the way it's going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you, yeah, you can't, you know, all of your guys are going to be, the, the big promoters are just going to steal, pick all your, all your boxers before you can make any money off of them. Right. Yeah. I guess the, the question is, you know, in, in light of, you know, the golden boy Heyman decision where basically the judge said, well, even though, uh, PPC has, you know, every major network you can think of, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, under control, uh, you know, other than HBO, um, no, that's not a monopoly. Um, you know, you guys, uh, you know, you go out and do what the PBC did. There's a million and one channels out there and, you know, make your own deals. And, and uh, you know, PBC's found uh, networks that weren't even televising boxing. You do the same. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, I, I kind of agree with that decision because uh, the, the point is you can't sue someone for monopolizing a sport when they haven't succeeded yet. Right. The, the attempt, the, the, the plan to monopolize that that might be what they're doing, but they haven't even achieved it yet. The Heyman had not achieved it. PBC hadn't achieved it. So I can kind of understand that, uh, that reasoning and, you know, the money and, you know, but, but now that PBC basically demonstrated to the world that you can make money, that you can get ratings on boxing in specific cases, sometimes they do terrible ratings, but when you put on a good fight and you promote it right, you can get really good ratings compared to other programming. Boxing is a viable enterprise on TV now. Well, he did that. And then what happened is PBC and the other two big guys stepped in and hogged up all the, the channels that are doing it. <laughs> and on top of that, and, and then worse is not only do they hog up the channels, they also have such a controlling interest of the top boxers and titles that you ha- the only way to progress in the sport is to go to one of those three. Right, right. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess, you know, it, it all goes back to, you know, my, you know, my uh, big idea with, uh, you know, having the one, not that it's a new one. I mean, it's been proposed, you know, <laughs> since, since the dawn of boxing, but... You know that that one entity that kind of you know brings them all together, and or basically that one entity would have to be made up of all of these guys coming together, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know basically ironing it out so that they all fight each other and they have a system and 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 so on, um, so that you know you've got it's almost you almost need a instead um, of having all these uh, crappy governing- fights, you'd have great great fights. <laughs> yeah, you almost need a governing body for promoters where the, you know, instead of the sport governing body, promotional governing body, so these are the guidelines how you can operate where, you know, everybody has a chance if they do everything right and, you know, build up a fight or whatever. They they still have a chance to get a piece of the pie, fight for the title, get on TV, whatever. Right, right, like the NFL did. <laughs> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the the yeah. owners had to draw up, you know, rules of competition with each other. And I think that's that that would be it would behoove the the major players in the sport to do that. Um yeah, but, I, I mean, I like look. Uh, I, I don't see like you're you're right though because, I mean, a few years ago, Joe uh, Joe DeGuardio, Joe DeGuardia. Yes. God damn it, my tongue tied on that one <laughs> for some reason. Uh, yeah, Chris Algieri, he was able to build up and get a big purse out of the guy. Right. Right. And and get some. I mean, yeah, uh, Chris got pissed later, and they went to. I know they went to court and stuff about the split, but 
that's the you know that's what you almost you need a chance if you're going to be a promoter that's not one of the big three and you know kind of one of the minor ones you need a chance to to you build up your guy and you need a chance to strike strike gold with them and if you don't have that chance then what's the point of being the sport because you'll never get a return on any of your investments. Yeah, like, and really your only shot is, you know, if, if these guys, like a top rank where they just have, like, no one else to fight, so they have to go kind of look for a third-party promoter, or, you know, you have to, you know, play the games with the sanctioning bodies and, and get your guy into the ratings and hopefully get him into a mandatory position. And obviously the sanctioning bodies are going to favor the where the money is. So, you know, when you've got these four major yeah. players, it's it's hard to break in. <laughs> And how and, well, and, and how do you get into a mandatory if the other if all the top guys are are exclusively promoted by the three big entities? Right, right. Well, I would and include so, Gold, yeah, you're, I'd you're, include you're, Golden Boy in there. I'd, I'd make it four. But well, I, I put Golden Boy with the big entities because it's part of his own. Right, it's, right. To me, it's I got you, Match I got from Golden Boy. Now they're 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 they they might not be joined together, but their zone has definitely got them somehow working together. They're powering them. Yeah, they're working in the zone. Yeah. So, but that's the big three, I would say. And and yeah, you're like, well, I I got my boxer up to number fifteen, but okay, how do I propel them into a manager in a top ten, top five when everybody else is signed to these big three, you know, properties? fighting for them and none of them will let my guy you know none of them want to make a book a match with my guy because he's not assigned to them as well right unless unless they either take options or they you know sign sign yeah, outright exactly. or do, do a co-promo yeah yeah and that's what kills you is the little guy again we get back to the whole thing how hard it is to you're you're you know you're being forced into taking deals that are not financially to your benefit absolutely or at least not as good as it should be that's you know way to depress us about the state of uh it should be such it should be such a gold this should be boxing's golden age in a weird way there's so much money finally you know there's money to throw around everywhere and yet we can't get the fights you know made and uh you'd think with all the money being thrown that they could get the fights made because everybody loves money and and you're pushing out the little guys so it's just going to be instead of you know, it's going to be maybe not a UFC, but we'll have three UFCs right. all isolated from each other. It just seems so simple. I mean, you you know, you watch the fights this weekend and you see the model. You know, it's the World Boxing Super Series. I mean, you had, you know, the very top fighters in, in two divisions, you know, facing each other. You know, top top five guys in very exciting fights and leading to even more exciting fights. You know, I mean, this is how every it's, other sport it, yeah, does it. I, I think... <laughs> I think since it started, like every time there's an event, maybe not. There's been a few stinkers, but every time it's basically at the end of it on Twitter, it's us saying, "WBSS is the greatest thing there is." Right, exactly. Every time, and yet you know what? I don't know if they can stay afloat because apparently they're not bringing in a lot of revenue. So, which is the that's the saddest thing. The best thing in boxing, apparently, is not is is not getting much money, is not making much in boxing. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, because, you know, I mean, and, and again, I've said this on this podcast, but it's like, you know, how in the world, you know, I mean, DAZN is throwing so much money at, like, everyone else. What You know, you've got, like, the best thing going in boxing. Please fund it. If you're going to throw money at something, throw it at something that should be the future of boxing, you know, that, that, that you know, I mean, maybe yes, because... Because they're 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 in the U.S. market, and you know, so many of these fights are overseas or involve overseas fighters. You know, maybe that's their trepidation for for putting a lot of money into it. But to me, I mean, that that's 
they should be funding, making sure that that sticks around because it's it is it is the model for the sport. And again, because there's so much money in the sport, now is the time to actually make that turn. And you know, you could have great fights on every one of these networks and get much better ratings if you did it tournament style. You know, just but it you know it, everyone's so dug in and and so. Uh, as, as Steve Farhood said on this on this podcast, just the history of hatred between the parties in the sport. It's really hard for them to come together. You know, they're so used to. Oh yeah, each other. The, the lack of the lack of trust is just amazing. It's right. you know, and it's funny because I mean, think of it this way: people always go, "Oh, uh, Mayweather McGregor was finally made." You know, it just shows that MMA can work together. It was only made when they could make half a billion on it. That's <laughs> right. what it took to get. Mayweather and Heyman to work with Bob Arum, a half a billion dollars. Right, right, right. Well, that yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Mayweather Pacquiao. I mean, listen, it, you know, again, but I mean, you, you you've got Dana White, who's who. Oh, did I say nev- space on some? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Dana. I'm sorry, we. You you mix the two large pay per views with Mayweather, but but it, you know, it's, it's yeah, the Mayweather, same point. It's the yeah. same point, though. I mean, you know. Aram, I mean, listen, Aram probably Aram does a lot more cross promotion than Dana does, but Dana never does cross promotion. So the fact that he was, you know, like lured into it and no complaints about it, said it went great. You know, said he loved working with Al Heyman. So, you know, um, it's it it is interesting. But uh, but speaking of speaking of, uh, I definitely since I've got you on here, I definitely want to talk about some MMA and and UFC business. Um, there goes all your listeners just turning <laughs> off the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, for for those of you who love both sports, let's let's talk about some MMA. Um, you know, I, obviously, I mean, I I, th- I would think that you know Endeavor and and Zufa UFC have to be like over the moon about how the ESPN deal is going. I mean, the ratings seem to have been pretty solid. You know, they they did incredibly well on that that sub drive. I mean, just just what's your take so far on how how the uh, ESPN deal has has gone? Uh, I think they've been fairly happy with it. It's it's obvious. It's what I think they they I've, if I read it or somewhere I heard it was two million subscribers. They think the UFC is at least partly responsible for generating that's amazing. to ESPN Plus, which would be absolutely insane. I don't know if that's right now or they're projecting going ahead, but but two million was the number I heard, and that's an insane amount of money because you think about it, even if it's at only five dollars a month, that's one hundred twenty million dollars a year it's generating right now, uh, plus advertising revenue that goes with that too. So, and you're saying uh, that that's so, like, and you and they can attribute that solely to the UFC fans. That's amazing. Th- that's I think. Well, I mean, look, there's they've gotten huge spikes in certain events for the UFC. So they, I think that's why they say it's got to be UFC fans that did it. When the UFC premiered and all this other stuff, our subscription numbers skyrocketed. And we're also seeing how many are, you know, we have a, they have they have metrics they can follow, who's watching what events. So it seems like UFC fans are driving a lot of this. Um, but uh, like a lot of things like HBO and stuff and HBO and boxing, how many people, a lot of people got HBO because only boxing, but a lot of people got it for boxing and whatever, you know, TV show they liked at the time. There's always there's multiple reasons, so you can't just say it's the one thing. It could be there could be a lot of top rank, you know, our boxing fans, MMA that say, "Oh, this is perfect. I get both. I'm going to get it now." Right. But uh, the, so, but they're they're making they're getting a lot of subscribers. I think the pay per view sales uh, were low on the ESPN Plus exclusive deal, but I think people are panicking too soon that oh my god, it was a terrible sales on these on, with ESPN Plus. It's still early. The first couple pay-per-views on ESPN did a lot better than people projected. So I think ESPN has a pretty good, mighty 
a marketing system, especially for UFC. Maybe not as good with top rank, but especially UFC, they're very good at marketing it. So they, the pay-per-view sales could probably go up. But from the UFC's point of view, even more than ESPN, they got to be fairly happy. I know they wanted a bigger TV deal when they were originally negotiating. Right, right. But they're they're guaranteed contractual money. The amount of money ESPN is guaranteeing them every year is five hundred million dollars between the pay-per-views and the TV, the ESPN Plus and ESPN Regular. That is insane. That's, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's, that's an insane amount. And that doesn't count foreign pay-per-view sales, doesn't count uh, bar sales, doesn't count ticket sales, marketing, sponsorship, uh, all the other merchandise, all the other revenue streams. They, they're guaranteed just $500 million from ESPN alone. And so this year, I bet you they easily surpass $800 million in total revenue. Wow. And so the, for the ES, UFC, they got to be pretty happy. I mean – the only downside, I guess, I bet you they had some higher projections, which the, you know they want to push up the price of the EP, IPO and stuff, or whatever they eventually do with the UFC. But uh, anybody else would have been happy with that. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Maybe they're not, but anybody else, anybody else in the real world would be very happy with what they get <laughs> right now. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be very aggressive in their projections. But yeah, like you said, I mean, those are insane. Those are like major sport numbers. You know, there's not too many major sports who are getting more TV money than that. You know, only like the really big dogs like NBA, NFL, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. Uh, Yeah, it's like, remember NASCAR, that huge TV deal. That's getting close to NASCAR NASCAR TV money. And that's massive. Which, you know, (laughs) yeah, that's, you know, that's so UFC, this is, you know, a huge amount of money. Which is weird, too, because if you add up all the boxing promotions, they're not far behind. Yeah, especially with what the zone, I mean, you figure, you know, what they're giving Canelo and then on top of that Golden Boy and what we, you know, they reportedly were giving Matchroom. And and I'm sure they're not airing the, the World Boxing Super Series for free. They've got to be giving them some type of money. Um, and, you know, I mean, I know they spent a ton of money on the Joshua fight. The Joshua fight coming up, I think, is like, you know, $40, 50000000 million just on that fight alone. So uh, I mean I don't know if it's true, but yeah, I heard Josh was getting up to thirty million for that. Right, right, and you figure yeah. Ruiz it's is getting five or six million. Yeah, he's getting seven, no, yeah, seven, five or six, seven. So he's up to really up to seven. That's yeah. a true number. Yeah, yeah. Mother, god dang it! I should have really learned to box. Dude, we need. I could. You know, I, I'm. I'm definitely need to get off my ass. Start managing more fighters now. <laughs> if, we can, if we can build me up into just one money fight, <laughs> that's all it takes. Just, just you know, we can just if we can just we just talk box rec to just put fake opponents against me, <laughs> and just fill me up with a fifteen and zero. We're ready, Joshua. Let's go. It's, Give me my five. Six. It's been done. It's been done in the past. So it's, it's not out of the realm. <laughs> I didn't make this. This idea didn't come out of thin air. I'm, I'm you know, going from history. <laughs> I mean, I remember Don King the best did this, didn't he, in the 70s? Yeah, the they had they had phony wins. Yeah, guys <laughs> who hadn't fought in like a year suddenly had like three wins on their record and were like, pro, you know, honorable mention for prospect of the year in the ring. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a sordid past that boxing has with that. But uh, That's why we love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but the ESPN deal, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what, DeZone's got to be spent. And I mean, before I thought this was ridiculous when people brought this up and i think it might be true they, they're probably spending what 200 million a year easily unboxing easily easily yeah. because easily. maybe 250 i mean you know uh, i don't know if eddie was like guaranteed you know the 125 but he could definitely get to 125 and then you've got canelo alone getting you know what 30 some a fight 30, so that's 70, 70 million a year yeah it's like 70 million, 70 million a year million. At, yeah. 
and and like G, Triple G, based on who he's going to fight, is probably going to average about fifty million a year. Right, I didn't based even on put the Triple big G in there. Yeah, exactly. Triple G's deal, I'm sure, is is very expensive. So they are spending just another a ton of money. Ten, oh, just yeah. So that's it's just it's unbelievable. The right. two fifty for them, and then you throw in uh, top rank. Uh, I mean, who knows what the estimates are, but uh, pretty reliable sources I've heard put about seventy to ninety million a year for them. Yeah, Kellerman put it at which, ninety. And he he said it on ESPN, yeah. so I would assume it's there's some some truth to it. Yeah, so seventy nine. And then I bet you uh, with PBC, it's at least 100, 120 million from the two sources combined. Right. And then and then they're not counting their pay per view revenue. Right. Right. So, you know, we're talking right there. That's four hundred twenty million in TV rights right there from those. At least they might even be higher. I mean, right. Who knows? Yes, top rank and PBC might be doing better than that. So that's you know we're talking that that matches the UFC. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot, but but you know MMA total. I mean, let's let's talk about Bellator on on the zone. Um, what's your take on on Bellator's run? I mean, have have the fight cards been quality? Has has Bellator grown as an organization? Uh, you know, since they've gotten this deal, you know, and 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 have have they grown their ability to compete with the UFC? Well, there, there's no real competing with the UFC. That's the honest truth. But Bellator, it's strange because Bellator financially has probably done better than the, they're easily probably the most financially successful promotion now than any promotion since Pride. They probably surpassed Pride. And Pride, people don't know, was the big competitor of the UFC from Japan uh, in the early part of the 2000s before uh, Yakuza scandal kind of derailed them and they got bought up by UFC. But Bellator... The estimates I, I have some some financials I have I'm going to release coming up that I got a hold of from Bellator and they were really they've they've been really secretive about their finances and I guess they've been less protective now that they're doing good mm. so they've made it easier <laughs> to get a hold of them but they because uh, before you couldn't hear anything about what was happening and then if you look at what they were losing per year you understand why right but now it's like oh they're doing good yeah we don't need to keep this stuff secret so much but they're going to probably generate about eighty million in revenue this year. Wow! Okay. Total from all their sources, and DAZN's paying them supposedly forty around forty million for the year, a nice. year for the the deal. Wow. So Bellator is financially doing great, but I do think being on DAZN, uh, it being off a regular cable channel, it, Paramount since they used to be on Spike, and when that switched to Paramount, that was a death knell for you know Bellator. I think on TV, but but not having a Spike or not having a Fox or some sort of TV source really makes it hard for them because it's hard for non diehard fans to find them. Right. And that's right. their big, that's their big problem. The other big problem that a lot of promoters tell me they're running into, um, is there's not the number of free agents they were hoping for. Everybody threw out, Hey, try free agency. We'll, we'll sign you. But very few big name UFC fighters or top ranked UFC fighters are, are testing the market. And without them, it's, you know, how do you generate interest if you don't have a steady stream of, you know, top fighters signing to your promotion? If it's just a handful and you can build guys, but no one knows who that guy is. If he hasn't he doesn't beat anybody with the name. Well, that's surprising because I, I just, you know, from the Show Money podcast, I thought like maybe in like the it was like a year or two ago where UFC or UFC was let they were letting some fighters go. And not and not matching offers and it, and it you know it seemed like they were just like you know if, they, if you know we're not going to get held up by these guys we're not going to get into a bidding contest you know if these guys you know have like a big offer you know they can take it. Um, I think UFC is still doing it. They stopped doing they stopped doing all engaging in all the practices which the antitrust suit accused them of. They don't freeze people anymore. 
They don't. Uh, they don't. They don't use the matching clause anymore. But I think the UFC's learned since then that they can sign guys earlier, like when they have two, maybe two fights left in their contract, and use the leverage earlier and get them re-signed. So the guys they really want are still in the promotion and at a you know affordable price. It's kind of like Moneyball, you know, sign the young prospects for long contracts, figure out who's going to be good, and that leaves just doesn't leave many guys fighting out their contracts and testing them market right 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 well speaking of you know competition i mean you know there's 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 the long going long ongoing uh zufa antitrust litigation with uh with the fighters uh where are we on that and uh you know do you think it's gonna get past uh summary judgment and go to trial um you know how how are you seeing uh the case going there's a uh coming up is a big the big weeks coming up in late august they're going to bring in – the judge wants all the experts to come back in and testify. He's basically going to pit two experts from one from the plan of defendants against each other um, and you know, def- ask him questions. And it's, it's just going to be a – just it's going to be a battle royal. The judge even used uh, boxing MMA terms. He's going to have a main event of uh, Singer versus uh, – uh, who, who's Singer? Oh, man, I can't remember. Not Topel. Uh, Topel. And then he's going to have the other experts. Joe Silva is going to be there. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be wild. I'll be drunk the whole time. I'll be in Vegas <laughs> spending all my hard-earned money. But uh, Are they going to be streaming it? Coming up. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be closed. The way we're going to wait and see how much the judge, you know, lets open uh, unseals during the trial. I got a fear that we'll be there all ready to report, and then he'll empty the courtroom that the press can't uh. because there'll be trade secrets involved. And the trade <laughs> secrets are like we promote events, you know, some you know some bizarre <laughs> thing. Can't let people know how we market pay per view or ticket sales. So mm. that'll be it. But yeah, that's the big week, and then after that, we have. The judge has two huge decisions to make. One is class certification. Is this an antitrust class action suit? If he certifies them, then that's settled. And the other one is summary judgment. Is there enough evidence to move on? And if that happens, we go into trial. And that's right now it's kind of a, you know, I think it's kind of a guesswork what's going to happen. You know, flip a coin where we're going to go. There's certain things I don't like about the the case the plaintiffs make, uh, even though I think there's, I mean, they're, the evidence that the UFC is a monopsony is is pretty much a guarantee. I mean, it's they're a monopsony. It's the it's the argument are they a legal monopsony? Is it uh, they abuse their power and all that? That's that's the question for the court to settle. But the case that the plaintiffs make, oh, I, there's certain things about it I don't think are as strong as it could be. Let's put it that way. Mm. I get a sense just, I mean, you know, this is, you know, I mean, I don't know bullware. It's bullware, right? That's that's the judge who's presiding yeah, in this case. Yeah. I mean, the only case I'm familiar with him on is the Mikey Garcia versus uh, Top Rank case. He was the judge in that one as well. And he seemed to let things go. He was willing to to kind of let that one go to trial. Um, he was he was kind of reluctant to decide things on uh, on summary judgment. But that might have just been that case. But. Um, you know, yeah, well, if you, I mean, for our sake, just for our selfish stake of being something to write about, we hope it goes to trial, <laughs> you know, because it gets a lot more interesting at trial. And plus the stakes, I mean, then it gets really interesting because the stakes are just enormous. You know, we're talking, you know, potentially hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars, potentially. Absolutely. So that's drama. Right. You know, let's let's be honest. We want that kind of drama. We can do a whole show on that. And your boxing fans might not even care. That's about UFC. <laughs> well, speaking of, I mean, I, I know you have like a, a show money to do tonight. And, you know, I don't want to get you all talked out here. But uh, 
Um, just to let the people know, uh, you know, you and I are actually very slowly uh, working on a, a boxing league article that hopefully we'll we'll get done in the next uh, month or so. Um, but uh, once that gets, it's going to take longer than the whole Game of Thrones series. <laughs> that's what we're going. For. We're going at that pace. Like, you guys were willing to wait nine years for Game of Thrones, Dan. You, you might have to wait that long for this art of this thing we're working on. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen. Once we finally, uh, you know, give birth to that one, we'll, uh, you know, I'll get you back on and we'll talk about it. But hey, man, I really appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure to to chop it up with you, man. And. Uh, you know, uh, good luck. You know, and I can't wait for the uh, the next show money to come out. Yeah, I, we're going to record that tonight. We'll probably talk a little about the Endeavor rumor on that too. But uh, uh, who knows what you know what what direction that might go? <laughs> and uh, hopefully, I can finish my next portion, next installment of the you know whatever we're working on, so you can get moving on. So exactly we, that way we. We'll, we only have 10 installments to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, my man. Really appreciate your time, John. Take care, man. Thanks, Kurt, man. All right, brother. Bye. And that will do it for another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It in the Ring Network. I'd like to thank John Nash for taking the time out to speak with me. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment or a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audioboom, SoundCloud, or wherever you access the Boxing Esquire podcast. I really appreciate it as it helps new listeners find the podcast. And also, do not forget to check out my companion piece to this podcast on ringtv.com that features quotes and background on my interview with John. And until next time, so long, everybody. Oh.